What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fitz's Sports Show. Now, before we get into it, I just want to remind you guys to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Fitz's Sports Show, and follow me on Twitter at Jaron Fitz. Thank you guys so much for being here and for listening, and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fitz's Sports Show. It's Monday, June 15th. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Jaron Fitzsimmons, and I host this show. Uh, Thank you guys for being here. It really means a lot. But let's just get right into it. The first topic of today is there's been some developing uh, pushback amongst NBA players to the restart of the NBA season. So Shams tweeted out, Kyrie Irving told NBA players on a call Friday that, quote, I don't support going into Orlando. I'm not with the systematic racism and the bullshit. Something smells a little fishy. And it seems like there are really three main concerns by players when it comes to the restart of the NBA season. The first is, you know, guys like Kyrie Irving, and I think even Dwight Howard has been vocal. I know Avery Bradley has expressed some concerns. Is they're worried that once the season resumes, a lot of the focus that has been put on, you know, social justice reform and things like that, that the NBA will come in and it'll overshadow the news cycle. Everyone will be talking about, you know, LeBron and the NBA and, you know, the quest for another championship and who's going to win it. And it'll take a lot of the spotlight away from kind of the social issues that have been, you know, illuminated during this time. Uh, the second concern, young guys, you know, like Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum, who are in line to be able to get a big extension after this year, they're worried about their health. And more so because, as you guys know, we've been in this COVID lockdown. It's a short training camp. Teams don't have that much time to get ready. Players, you know, who knows how much they've been doing during this quarantine. I'm sure they're not in NBA game shape. If they go from, you know, being on the couch and quarantining into NBA action, there's a big chance for injury there. You know, any athlete knows that when you go from doing nothing and you try and jump right into this extreme level of physical exertion, there's obviously going to be a big chance and big, you know, risk factor for injury. And if you're a guy like Donald Mitchell or Jason Tatum or some of these young guys from the 2017 draft class who are, you know, eligible to sign extensions, that's a big concern for you. Because if you get injured and have a career-threatening injury or a major injury, that's going to affect your money. You're going to not get that big extension that you're looking for. Um, So a lot of guys, I know they're looking for insurance, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And the third concern is um, the bubble that the players will kind of have to live in while they're doing this from so as i understand it, that players are going to be quarantining together all in the same hotel that can cause a little awkwardness amongst teammates and competitors especially once you're competing for a championship having to stay in the same hotel um <clears throat> matt barnes actually had a interesting take on this so he was on the fighter and the kid and he was talking about how it might get back to kind of the roots of some of these guys' basketball careers playing AAU ball. Because, you know, when you're playing AAU ball, especially the level of AAU ball that these guys are in playing, high-level AAU basketball, you know, the best players go to the same tournaments and they stay in the same hotels, you know, playing the same gyms in front of smaller crowds. It might be reminiscent of some AAU basketball, obviously with some higher stakes with the NBA Finals and the playoffs going on. You're playing for a lot more, and you're making a lot more money, but it might bring some of the players back to, I guess, their roots in terms of basketball and where they got their start. And that could be one of the more positive consequences of 
having to do it this way. But if you look at it the negative way, they have to stay in the same hotel room, quarantining, focus on basketball. I don't think their family members get to be coming and going. So I don't know if the family is allowed to quarantine with them. You know, that's a big commitment. That's a lot of time. And it, it's tough to ask that, you know, rightfully so. A lot of the players are concerned about that being a problem. But, you know, as we try and kind of unwrap this and see, you know, what are some solutions to some of these concerns? Let's start with the social justice issue. Um, I really understand how they're worried that going to start the NBA can cause a lot of this attention that they've been able to go and this traction that they've been able to gain from, you know, having the spotlight illuminating this, these social issues. If the league comes back, obviously some eyes might be taken away. But if done correctly, I believe it could be a great opportunity to bring more attention while the whole nation is watching. So it comes down to the platform that these players are on. I think, you know, obviously they have their platform because of basketball and because of the way they play the game. So why not use the platform? The whole nation is going to be watching. Sports fans have been deprived of sports for a long time. You're going to get a lot of listeners and a lot of viewers. If you can do that and somehow find a way to illuminate the social issues as well, highlight in the broadcast and the players can do whatever they want. I'm sure there's a lot of things like an NBA could do to kind of help make sure that the attention isn't totally shifted away from this issue, but that there is change and there is progress moving forward there. I think it's a great opportunity. And, you know, one thing that was brought up, I can't remember who brought it up, but the NFL pledged $250 million over 10 years. The NBA hasn't pledged anything like that yet. So maybe the NBA can say, hey, you know, since we're doing the season over the next 10 years or maybe a percentage of the revenue from the season, we'll donate it to social issues and, you know, to help get this message and this movement out there even more. And I think that could be a great opportunity. I think overall the platform can be elevated and be even bigger so the message can be heard by more people and maybe, you know, have more of an impact there. Now for the young players' concerns, I totally get that as well. Um, they're in line for a lot of money, and just like you or me would do, we'd be concerned about, you know, if you have an opportunity to get a big pay raise, you're not want to do any, you're not going to want to do anything to jeopardize your chances of getting that pay raise. And especially when you're an athlete and you compete at the highest level, it demands a certain physical readiness. And if you're not physically ready, you do run the risk of injury. You do run the risk of, you know, especially seriously serious career-threatening injuries. Um, it makes a lot of sense why they'd be concerned. Uh, like I mentioned before, they're looking at maybe some sort of insurance policy to ensure that, you know, if one of these players, God forbid, would, you know, hopefully not, Lord willing, they stay healthy. But if one of these players, for some reason, you know, unfortunately does come across an injury, that they might have some financial protection and they would recoup some of the losses that they would if they got hurt. Um, now, if you, uh, the, for the bubble idea, I get that as well. It doesn't sound very fun at all, but I don't really know how you can avoid that. Um, it's going to be tough for the season to resume. We're seeing it now with the NFL. We'll talk about in our topic number two that there's going to be some positive tests. Players are going to come up with this, so I, that is a very legitimate concern, but that's all we're going to have for this topic. Let's go into the second topic. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Topic number two is NFL players are starting to test positive for COVID-19. 
So Ian Rappaport on Twitter said, several Cowboys players and Texans players have tested positive for COVID-19. Recently, sources tell me and at Tom Pellicero, none of the players are believed to have been in, ter- in their team facilities. The teams follow proper health protocols. And we found out after this that one of the Cowboys players that did test positive for COVID-19 was in Ze- Ezekiel Elliott, the star running back in Dallas. And to me, this is all this is just a reminder of that, hey, we're not out of the woods yet. COVID might be rearing its ugly head once again. Um, it's going to be tough. I, I, it's a tough one for me because I want sports so bad, and I want them to go off smoothly, and I want it to be done the safest way possible for everyone. But we face a big task here if we want sports uh, to be to happen. I know the NFL, I think I just got a notification not too long ago that they're planning on doing tests three times a week. And once a player fails a test, they'll be quarantined. And that's all good. But imagine this. Here, let me paint a scenario. What happens when it's midseason and a player on your team gets it? Or even worse, what happens when, you know, 10 guys get on a team? Let's say five of those guys are high-profile starters. That's tough to, you know, a lot of people are going to be calling for the league to stop, and it's going to be tough to handle that pressure. Um, but the main thing is, is the guys are all around each other all the time. So it's so tough to keep a virus that's contagious, you know, from spreading. If one person gets it, you know, there's going to be more people that get it. Now for the athletes, if they do get it, they're probably going to be fine. So, so far up to this point, I haven't heard of a athlete that has got it, that actually had a hard time kicking it and struggled to kick it. A lot of them are asymptomatic, if not all of them. I could just be n- not know, you know, because a lot of the teams haven't released which athletes got it and which athletes don't. They keep the medical, you know, news private a lot of the time. So there maybe was a player that struggled with it, but as far as we know, I don't believe there has been a player that had any problem with COVID at all besides just testing positive, you know, asymptomatic and nothing there. But there is a concern. What we do know about COVID as a virus is that it does affect the older people and people with underlying conditions. So who in the NFL team and the NFL organization are going to be in that category where they could have some, you know, big problems if they do get COVID? And a lot of it's in the coaching staff, you know. There's an old coach that gets it. He could have a hard time kicking it, and that's when it really spells bad news for the NFL. Hopefully, you know, these coaches and all the players can stay healthy and that there'll be very minimal people that get it. Hopefully no one will get it. I don't think that's realistic, but hopefully – People that do get it, proper protocols are made, and you know they're quarantined and they don't have any issues with it. That's what I'm hoping for. But we know COVID affects the elderly, and if there are some older people in this NFL organization, especially in the coaches, they are more susceptible to that. So you know, I don't think if the athletes get it, they're going to have much problem. But the coaches, that could be a different story. And if you happen to get a coach that gets it, and you know, let's hope this doesn't happen. A little phone for the coaches passes away, you know. That for sure spells the end of the NFL season. So I think we are, you know, looking at a tough, tough road ahead. I don't think it's going to be an easy, simple path. There's no straightforward answer. We're seeing, you know, the NBA opens up July 31st. I think we'll get a lot of news there. Um, I know a lot of the players are, as we talked about in the last segment, scared of some of the, they have some concerns about the opening, you know, restarting the season. It's going to be interesting if they can keep the players, but the only problem, the only question is how long can you keep the players quarantined for? Because the players, I guarantee you, aren't going to like being quarantined for that long. I don't think any of the NFL guys are want to go play a 17-game season and be quarantined all that time. 
They got other obligations. They got stuff to do. And quite honestly, they just can't quarantine due to their jobs. They're going to be traveling. They got practice. They're going to be around a bunch of people, media, all that stuff. (coughs) Excuse me. So I'm just hoping that this doesn't turn into another shutdown 2.0 because I could see a path. I mean, it's not going to take much to shut down the league. I can see, you know, 10 or 15 guys get on the team. Maybe a couple older head coaches get in and actually have a hard time kicking it. Well, then, you know, there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of voices calling for the league to be shut down, and we might be looking at another shutdown. Now, that's just the the pessimistic side of it. I still think you go ahead and open. I still think you do, you know, try and put the best protocols in place that you can to protect the people that need to be protected. And honestly, I think you just got to go for it. I think the athletes are going to be okay if you can do enough to protect the coaches and to protect some people that might be at risk. I think you got to do it. It's all about minimizing risk. There's always going to be some certain, you know, aspect of risk involved, but it's about minimizing the risk. And, you know, when someone does get, you know, when someone does test positive, how soon can we know that they're positive and how soon can we start the quarantine and getting away from everyone else to limit the spread of the virus? Because if they test three times a week, that could be good. You know, test a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or I don't know how you'd want to space it out. But if they test clean on Monday, they get it Tuesday, they get tested Wednesday, well, then you have a good chance of stopping if you can catch it early. The key is you got to catch the virus early. And I'm not a virologist. I'm not an expert. You know, I don't have a medical degree. So I'm by no means qualified at all to be talking about this COVID thing. This is just some major bro science and me just trying to decipher the situation but the one thing i am seeing is we might be heading for troubled waters if some of these players start continue to test positive and keep testing positive we could i hope not i don't want to jinx it but we could look at be looking at another shutdown or some sort of holdout by the players if you know everyone keeps getting tested they're not going to want to yeah everyone keeps testing positive they're not going to want to keep going in obviously there could be some sort of holdout I don't know. We're not out of the woods yet. COVID, you know, the bottom line is I don't know the answers, but I'm getting more and more anxious and thinking that we are just not quite out of the woods yet. That COVID, I hope it won't, but it might rear its ugly head again. All right, next topic. All right, final topic of the day. And just a reminder, if you stuck with me this far, Hell, at this point, you might as well head on over to Instagram, head over to Facebook, check out Fitz's Sports Show on those platforms, hit the follow button. Also, head over to Twitter, hit the follow button at Jaron Fitz. I want to interact with you guys. I want to be involved. I want this to be a community thing. I want to hear your ideas and your thoughts on the podcast. So if you're listening to this, make sure to follow and make sure to go to those platforms and do that. But without further ado, the final topic of the day is a new segment. Now, this is early. This is an early segment. First time ever doing it. For right now, very tentative, the name is called Overrated, Spot On, or Sleeper. Now, it's kind of self-explanatory. This is going to be the NBA edition, so we're only going to do NBA teams, NBA players, stuff like that. But I'm going to give you either a team, player, whatever. This is NBA edition, so it'll be related to the NBA. And I'll tell you whether I think they are overrated whether they're spot on in their you know praise and stuff, like they're right where they should be, they get the perfect amount of attention they should get, or if they're being slept on. So first team is the New Orleans Pelicans. Now there's a lot of hype that people are saying, you know, they made the Zion Williamson rule, the NBA wants to see Zion in the playoffs. The Pelicans, you know, they got the talent, 
And I'm just here to say, let's just slow down, right? Let's not push it too much. I'm not buying the Pelicans right now. I think they're a little overrated, and here's why. Stars matter. You know, I'm looking at the teams that New Orleans has to is going to be fighting for in, turn, in trying to get that eight seed. I see the Portland Trailblazers. I know what Dame's going to get me. Do I really know what Zion's going to get me? Yes, Zion looked phenomenal in those 19 games that he's played so far. Only played 19 games, though. Oftentimes, rookies, you know, they get a chance to work their way into the league. They have, you know, highs. They have ups and downs, ups and downs. Zion was really up. He was doing really good. You know, when league action resumes, it's going to be a different NBA. It's not going to be regular season basketball. It's going to be playoff basketball. And I just don't know if Zion has had enough time in regular season basketball to kind of figure out the game and figure out the way it's played before he had to jump into a playoff game. I don't know if it's going to be too much for the young guy. I know what Dame gives me. You know, I've seen what Dame does in the playoffs, and it's phenomenal. I would rather put my money on who I know, and I know what Dame gives me. Zion, there are some question marks. For as good as he is, the experience isn't there, and stars and experience do matter. I expect some growing pains from Zion. I think he's still – that's not me saying he's not going to be good. I think he's going to have a great performance. I just don't know if he's going to be able to – get his team to the playoffs after only playing 19 regular seasons games, not having the time to kind of develop with his teammates and, you know, kind of get a feel for how the NBA games played. And it's going to be high level basketball, more intense basketball. I like Portland in the eighth spot. That's just my opinion though. Now the Toronto Rappers, this is a team I have as a sleeper. Let me tell you why they're second in the league in defensive rating and first in opponents points per game. <clears throat> excuse me, that is a lockdown defense, ladies and gentlemen. That's championship-level defense. Yes, Kawhi's gone. They lost, a good, they lost a great defender, but the defensive production for the Toronto Raptors is alive and well. Just like I said, stars matter. Experience also matters. And Toronto Raptors, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, a lot of guys, Serge Ibaka, Marc Gasol, one, the same people that are on that championship team. They know what it takes to win an NBA championship, and especially where there's going to be all this chaos with the new restart, the only eight-game regular season. I think a lot of the younger teams are going to struggle. I think now is definitely the time to bet on experience, and the Toronto Raptors do have that. Um, they shoot the three ball very well. They're sixth in, the, six in three-point percentage and, seven, and seventh in attempts. Holy, sorry. Let me say that again. They're sixth in three-point percentage and seventh seventh in three points attempted so they shoot the three ball very well um i bet they're gonna make some noise i think uh, teams that are very good on defense and teams that could shoot the three ball well tend to do really well in playoff games i love their experience i think that's only going to help them in this chaotic environment look for toronto to make some noise people next up i have three teams the lakers the bucks and the clippers you know, they're seen as the the three contenders, the three title contenders as we see it, the tier one teams. And I think they're spot on with that. I don't think they're overrated. I don't think they're slept on. I think they're right where they need to be. Because in my opinion, the Lakers, the Bucks, and the Clippers are the three teams that are in the title hunt. Um, like I said, in, the way I see it is these are the tier one teams. I look at the NBA in tiers. You know, you have the teams as tier one. They're, they're your legit contenders. Your tier two are the people that are fringe, you know, they're, they're a piece or two away from maybe making an NBA Finals run. And then as it goes down, you get lower and lower quality teams. 
now that's not me saying I don't think there could be another team that will break into this top tier, you know, once the season resumes, because I actually do. I have a couple teams I think could make room, could make a bump and a jump up into there. You know, the Nuggets, depending on how Nikola Jokic looks, there's been a lot of hype around him. I think, you know, the Houston Rockets, if James Harden could figure it out in the playoffs. <clears throat> and there could be the Celtics, you know, teams like the Celtics and 76ers, who, you know, the 76ers especially haven't been super consistent, but they're a team that's made for playoff basketball. I could see them making a push as well. I just think right now, if I had to put a money on who's going to win the championship, it'd be the Lakers, the Bucks, or the Clippers. So I believe they're perfect in terms of the, where we have them and the amount of hype that we give them. The last one of the day is Drumroll, please. Da, 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 da. Donovan Mitchell. And I'm saying this man is a sleeper. Now, I could be a bit of a homer. I am a Utah Jazz fan, and you guys know this. But hear me out. There's a lot, a lot of hype around Jason Tatum right now, right? He's kind of the wonder boy. The seems like a lot of people would pick him as the guy from that draft class. But Donovan Mitchell is not getting the credit he deserves. He is right up there with him. You know, the big knock on Donovan Mitchell that I hear a lot of people do, especially a lot of Twitter basketball people, which, you know, Twitter basketball people, you take with a grain of salt, but a lot of people, they say Donovan Mitchell is not a consistent shooter. Well, this year he has been. <clears throat> He's shooting around 45% from the field per game, which is good. And if you don't think that's good, listen to this list of players who shoot worse than Donovan Mitchell is from the field. I think you'll be surprised. You have Kemba Walker, who... You know, everyone gives Kemba his love and his praise, and rightfully so, but Donald Mitchell shoots higher percentage from the field than he does. You have Zach Levine, who's been, you know had kind of a breakout year in Chicago. Jason Tatum, like I said, the wonder boy. Malcolm Brogdon, Trey Young, James Harden, MVP candidate, Paul George, D'Angelo Russell, and there's a lot more, too. I'm just saying, the, the whole excuse and the argument that Donald Mitchell isn't a consistent shooter— that's becoming less and less of an argument because, you know, some of the guys that he shoots better than, let's be honest, it's hard to not get Donovan Mitchell his credit. If you look at the numbers, he's right up there statistically with you know, Jason Tatum. I think they average similar to the same amount of points. He sh Mitchell shoots a little bit better from the field. Tatum averages more rebounds. Mitchell averages more assists. Tatum might be a tad bit better on the defensive end. But there's not much of a difference. I think if you're going to give Jason Tatum his love, which I'm all for, I think Tatum's had a phenomenal year, you also got to give Donovan Mitchell his love because he's having a good year. And if he can have a breakout, you know, return of the season, have a good eight games, that Utah team could be trouble. Watch out. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Once again, check me out on social media. I won't, uh, you know, harp on that much longer. But also, an important announcement before we go. The podcast is coming to YouTube. I'm currently in the works, you know, making some of the design stuff for the channel and what it's going to look like. But expect, you know, here in the next couple episodes that all the episodes and clips will be uploaded to YouTube. I'm working on getting that going ASAP. But thank you guys for watching. I'm so glad you guys choose to listen to this podcast. I'm so grateful for you. Hope you guys all have an amazing and blessed week and day and whatever. All right. Thank you. See you next episode.